Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder. And I'm Sarah Severson, and we're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Mike Benkowski in April at the Durango Arts Center and also at the Sunflower Theater, when the theme was Rites of Passage. Mike spends his working days planning and teaching experiential environmental education programming for local school children. A few years ago, he rode his bike named Frau across the country and discovered Durango, Colorado. Chances are good you've happened to cross him out running somewhere or dancing at a live music event. Your dog will gravitate towards him because he's usually eating an apple, but will be disappointed because he always eats the core. Here is Mike's story. Yeah, well, um, I had a moment of reconnection actually just driving out here. I live in Durango. Um, and I was driving out here at sunset and um, came over the hill uh, just past Hesperus and saw what might be one of my favorite views anywhere where um, you come around the corner and Sleeping Ute Mountain is right there, like framed on the left by Mesa Verde, uh, just as the setting sun was hitting it. Um, I saw that view for the first time two and a half years ago, actually. I was riding my bike. Uh, I had everything I needed for two months um, strapped to the back of that bike. I had started riding that bike in New Hampshire, uh, in Portsmouth, um, right on the coast. Um, and I came across that view cresting, you know, after climbing up out of Durango, the sun was just warming it enough where it wasn't that cold morning chill anymore. And I just remember coming around the corner and being like, what is that? <laughs> and it felt, um, it felt like a gateway. Um, it looked like a door. I looked into a door for someone uh, born and raised in New England that was to a place extraordinarily different than anything that I knew, um, and a place that I had actually heard a lot of stories about. Um, because five years earlier, I actually had this really cool job. Uh, I used to have this pretty neat life set up where I'd teach high school during the school year and then have these two months off during the summer. Uh, and what I did was I would um, work for this company leading bike tours for teenagers. Um, so long distance bike touring has been a huge part um, of my life and I, I love it because there's this moment at the beginning and especially leading teens on those trips um, where you tell the people you love like I love you um, I'll talk to you in six weeks and then you just zone out and you go into this world where it's just that experience in the present and what's around you uh, so five years earlier, I got to do this on this trip called the American Challenge, starting in um, Charleston, South Carolina, ending in Los Angeles. Um, six weeks with the same 12 groups of high school kids. Um, despite what you've heard about high school kids, in this setting, the kids we had were pretty freaking awesome. I was really excited to yeah, spend those six weeks with them. Um, and they, they all showed up in South Carolina. Um, and within 12 hours, we spent this one night, um, like on this, um, if anybody's ever been to coastal South Carolina or Georgia, it's beautiful. Uh, you can wear the air as a blanket at night. You know, like sleeping bags, not a thing. Advice to, you know, if you ever lead a cross-country bike trip starting in Charleston, do not bring your sleeping bag if you're going across the south. It's wasted weight. Um, and they just awkwardly dipped their wheels in the, in the ocean. Um, having just met each other, and we set out. Um, not before, though, we uh, collected all of their cell phones and shipped them back to their various homes in Bethesda, Maryland, and 
you know, like Boston, Massachusetts, Cambridge, Massachusetts, all these really East Coast kind of high brain powered places that they came from because um, these were pretty affluent kids. And we proceeded to um, ride our bikes through towns like Sledge, Mississippi and heard stories about Slap Out Oklahoma, population eight. And I had been hearing about this trip. Um, I'd been hearing about this trip for a long time. Um, I heard funny stories, horror stories, um, but most of all, and what captured me um, was what lay west of this really cool town, really the only cool town you pass through on the entire route named Durango, Colorado. Um, but what lies after that? Um, I realized after that, you know, Mancus and Cortez were pretty cool too. <laughs> um, but for someone who grew up in an environment where, um, you know, the green hugs you and the, um, everything is this closed tunnel that just embraces you, um, I was excited to see the, the vast red rocks and to um, see lightning storms from 20 miles away um, and to maybe get food poisoning um, as golf ball sized hail rained down on us hiding out in a chicken coop somewhere between Cortez and Cayenta. <laughs> so I was living the dream. Um, our kids were living the dream. Um, cool things happen when you have a group of teenagers without their cell phones. Uh, they do things like create their own group identity uh, and create things just like, you know, we've created in the last 30 minutes about water, drinking the water. Um, <laughs> imagine six weeks of inside jokes like drinking the water. <laughs> um, this one kid, Jeff, um, this deadhead, um, he's pretty heavy set. He was from Pittsburgh. Um, he saw in a bike shop as we were replacing our tubes one time this picture from the 30s, um, this Tour de France rider um, riding his bike with his spare tires and tubes crossed over his chest. So he rode every day from there on, bare chested, with his spare tubes crossed <laughs> over his chest. <laughs> but beyond all that, there was this gravity. Uh, and I felt that gravity at the very beginning um, when I met the parents of this one girl, Merritt. Um, who I had been in touch with a lot before the trip. Um, as one of the leaders, I'd been in touch with the parents because Merritt was a type 1 diabetic. Um, she, was, she had actually done her senior project in high school, creating a training guide for long-distance biking for um, fellow people with type 1 diabetes. Um, so we had had some conversations just about logistics and management and their concerns and, um, like, you know, just to get on the same page. And I finally met them. South Carolina and as we set off they um, we gave each other a hug um, and behind that I felt this gravity of just this tacit agreement that um, that my job was to see her to create a safe trip for her and that um, at the end in six weeks time we'd meet in Los Angeles um, safely um, so there was that underlying weight and one day in the middle of the trip, uh, it was July 2nd, uh, we were somewhere in Arkansas. Uh, there was this beautiful green swath of soybeans on the left and this beautiful kind of like lighter green but taller swath of corn on the right. And this plane was flying around spraying these really nice chemicals that make all the plants grow. <laughs> and it was about 105 degrees. Um, there was a headwind, of course, a long flat road. Um, and I heard a series of pops, and I was just like, oh, 
man, we had had this triage line earlier in the day where everybody got a flat, like literally everybody, and we had this triage line of fixing them. It was actually pretty cool. We got them fixed pretty quick. But I was like, not again. We all went flat again um, until I saw this car drive by, and its side mirror was hanging off. And I noticed a spider web pattern in its windshield. And I went through this strange space of um, fear and panic and mixed with calm and acceptance um, as I saw the car pull off ahead of me. And I remember stopping very slowly for what seemed, um, for what seemed like an hour, putting my feet down, just feeling the hot pavement beneath my feet uh, and turning around, um, ready to accept what was there. Uh, the first thing that I saw was an exploded peanut butter jar. And it was next to one of the exploded pannier bags. And then I realized there were many exploded pannier bags and lots of twisted steel. And eight of my students were um, in various positions on the ground. That night I called my mom and my dad. I said, they said, gosh, we didn't expect to hear from you. How's it going? We had an accident. Um, is everyone okay? Uh, no. We were hit from behind um, in Arkansas by a driver who was on his phone. Um, I will never forget, um, as three helicopters buzzed overhead in the 105 degree heat, um, and as ambulances and paramedics and crowds of people were rushing around, um, <clears throat> seeing him bent over the hood of the police car, um, that was a substantial moment of cognitive dissonance for me uh, and will always be. So this past summer, um, I was having ice cream at the Cream Bean Berry um, with uh, a young woman named Liesel, um, who's 22 now, um, but she was 17 at the time and um, one of the students on that trip. Uh, she was biking across the country with her mom, retracing the exact route. Um, and we, she was passing through Durango, and we got to catch up. Um, and around her neck was a, a vial um, carrying some of Merritt's ashes. Um, and we, we caught up. Um, we, we talked about some of the other kids, friends now, peers now on that trip. Um, we reminisced about Jeff, you know, bike tire guy, bare chest bike tires, um, and how like his, he, an injury he had sustained in the accident had left about a six inch scar running up his calf um, and how he now had a tattoo with a little biker going up that hill um, and who now spends his summers first um, like doing the gear and tuning all the bikes. He's become this huge personality back at the headquarters but now spends his summer leading those same trips and realizing that we all share this conviction now um, that just because you step out into the world um, 
knowing that bad things can happen and assuming they don't, and then they do, it's still important too. And I'll never forget that day five years earlier. It was the day we all said bye to each other. Um, walking into an intensive care unit for the first time. And that feeling in late fall when every insect is just a buzz and alive before the first cross, frost comes and everything dies for the winter, I felt in this strange, like, almost electric way. I felt it through the machinery that was in there, from the energy and the expression on the people's faces. And I saw Anna, Merritt's mom, who I'd seen a few weeks earlier. She came up to me, and I felt that weight of that promise that had not held true. She wrapped around her arms around what felt like it was my stomach. She came up to about right below my sternum. And then she stood back, and she looked me in the eye, and she said, promise me you will keep leading these trips. You cannot stop. I don't think any of us um, have been the same since. Thank you. Thank you, Mike, for sharing that story with us. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. A list of our live storytelling events in 2019 is also on our website on the events page. Subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and share these stories with your friends. If a particular story makes you laugh, cry, or look at your world with a little bit more clarity, please leave a comment and let us know. Big thanks to our photographer, McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website, and be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. And thanks to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about the wonderful projects they support in the Mancus Valley of Colorado at mancusvalleyresources.com. The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services. Check out how they can help your business online at cortezweb.com. And our theme music was written and composed by Mo Cooley and performed by Mo and the Motones. Find out more about their music on the Motones Facebook page. That's M-O-E Tones on Facebook. Now for an outtake. (laughs) (laughs) Vibrating on the microphone because I did that. Is that like, it's like Bigfoot walking down the hall. I I want my beans and rice. I eat small children twice. (laughs) (laughs) I eat small children twice.